Welcome, everyone. I thought there'd be like some good music going on. It'd get really loud for a second. So I also thought there'd be like six people that would show up at a four o'clock session on Thursday after a long week here at reInvent. So I really appreciate everyone uh, coming, coming to the session here. Hey, thank you, awesome. Um, so just a, a brief introduction, um, just make sure everyone's in the right session here. We're gonna talk about um, using AWS CloudTrail, uh, also introduce um, some S3 features, uh, even gonna walk through AWS Config a little bit and look at how we can use those tools to really help enhance the uh, governance and compliance around our data stored in Amazon S3. So everyone in the right session? Awesome, okay. Oh, I was told not to do that. Um, well, let's get started then. So what we'll kind of go through here is, is just a quick overview of governance and compliance. Really important just to kind of level set so we know what we're talking about. Um, I do want to cover some of the uh, Amazon S3 features that can help. Then we'll jump into config, config rules, CloudTrail, and we'll spend a little bit more time on CloudTrail, some best practices around it, um, in particular, we'll look at uh, S3 data events. Um, we'll go through some use cases, some examples. I've got a demo here that uh, we can follow along with. And then uh, just a brief introduction to uh, Amazon Macy. And then if we've got any time left over, um, I'll definitely make myself available for any questions that you guys may have. So one of the first things we really want to do is just kind of define, um, again, governance and compliance, right? So governance in the broad sense is, is really the oversight role um, in the process by which uh, companies can manage and mitigate their business risk. And that's really what it's about. It's about the business risk behind it. Um, in the case of IT, it puts a structure on how organizations align their IT strategy with minimizing that business risk. Now, compliance, on the other hand, really helps us ensure uh, that an organization has the processes and the controls in place to meet the requirements that are set forth by the governance body. And that could be both internal and external, right? So I could have, um, I could have international frameworks that I've got to adhere to controls around. I could also have internal auditing that's the governance body and has set their own set of best practices controls. Um, so it could, be, it could be a combination of both in most cases. And in fact, in most cases, it is. So what does this mean? Uh, it really means in order to effectively use IT, um, we need to accomplish some, some very kind of basic uh, um, definitions or frameworks around that. And really what that comes down to is first being able to define. So what is it that we expect IT to do? What are, what are the, the business policies, the business rules that we want to establish? Next, we want to be able to discover. So what is it, what, what is it that, what are the IT resources that exist? What is it that we're looking to discover and ensure that we uh, understand about our IT environment? Next, we want to be able to monitor so once we have something discovered, how can we continuously monitor that and understand if that continues to meet the business rules that we set forth? And then last, we wanna be able to manage, we wanna be able to report, and we wanna be able to respond. So if we've defined all of this, if we've discovered it, if we're monitoring it, what happens when something goes from a state of compliance to a state of non-compliance? And how do we address that? So if you look at kind of that framework, in, and really if you look at it in uh, kind of a traditional on-premise enterprise, those sound very simple to do, but yet we all know they're extremely difficult. And typically what ends up happening in an on-premise environment is as we put more controls in place, as we define more business rules, um, as we try to put systems in place to help us discover and monitor and we build manual processes around this, what ends up happening is it impacts our ability to react. It impacts our agility. It impacts innovation. And we've all seen that. I was working with a company who was 
in the early stages of migrating workloads from on-prem into the cloud. And they described a process where over time, their security and audit group had a checklist, which most was manual and included upwards of two to 300 items, which typically would add anywhere between four to 10 weeks on top of a project. And I don't think that's very uncommon. I've heard that uh, repeatedly on how that slows down a process. What I thought was really great was um, how many of you attended um, day one keynote where we had Expedia and Goldman Sachs up talking about as they've moved more and more onto AWS cloud, I think I heard things like we were able to stand innovation on end. We were able to accelerate our, our, our ability to innovate beyond anything we had been able to do before. And that's really what AWS enables you to do. It enables you to do both of those. It enables you to put in a very robust governance and compliance. But at the same time, you can accelerate your agility and your innovation. And part of that, and we'll show some of that, is because you can do it through these. You can define the provisioning and configuration of resources very easily. You can continuously discover you can monitor, and then you can manage, respond, and report. And you can do it all programmatically. So you can automate a lot of this, which then, again, allows you to do things faster than what you've traditionally been able to do in an on-premise environment. So how many of you have seen the shared responsibility model? Hopefully most have at this point. It's fairly well-defined by us. And really what this says is it, it helps provide guidance around what AWS has direct responsibility for, and those are things around compute, around storage, around database. There are things around isola isolation, segmentation, and a lot of the controls you would expect in a very enterprise-situated kind of data center. On the customer side, we really rely upon you and your responsibility to develop secure applications in the cloud. And that's anywhere from the operating systems, any of the configurations that you have at an OS or above, um, any platform applications, um, anything that's running independent identity access. And then, of course, what we'll focus on here is customer data. Now, hopefully by now what everyone has realized is we don't simply just leave that up to you. We provide a lot of tools, a lot of services that you can take advantage of to help you meet the governance and compliance around that responsibility. And hopefully those are things by the end of the session, especially around customer data that resides within S3, I'll be able to demonstrate and, and shed a little bit of light on. So one of the first things that we want to do is, and I, I, would, I would ask all of you to really think about what type of data do you have in Amazon S3 right now? And if you really think about it, typically you think about the objects and the files, but it goes well beyond that. It could be web content. It could be source code. You could be hosting your repositories on S3. It could be certificates or private keys or application signing keys. A big one, and we've seen this happen in data center environments, breaches with backups. So someone took a backup of their database, put it on a hard drive somewhere on a machine that somebody didn't know about. And next thing you know, that backup was compromised. You might have some of that in, in S3 today. Um, logs are becoming critical in any compliance framework. Logs are actually becoming a, a source of almost intellectual property. Sensitive data, of course. Um, be surprised on how many files you probably have in S3 where someone stored their passwords. It's there. So let's look at some Amazon S3 features that can help with governance and compliance around those. And hopefully you guys know about a lot of these and are leveraging these already. So it's things like bucket policies. Bucket policies can be defined very granularly, down to even the tag level. 
So you could set up your bucket policies for each of the buckets that you have where your information resides and really scope down initially who even has access to that. You can leverage S3 VPC endpoints so that any of your application or retrieval is going directly into S3 versus routing through the public internet. S3 access logs, um, encryption options, and we'll talk a little bit about a new one that, uh, that was just introduced this month around default encryption. MFA delete, how many, how many are using MFA delete in S3 today? One? Okay, couple over here, all right. Everyone's tired, I get it. And then versioning and lifecycle policies, which actually are very important as well, combined with MFA delete, give you a good level of comfort that, that your data is not gonna disappear on you. And lifecycle policies can be set at the bucket level, they can be set at the prefix level. Versioning helps also protect from accidental deletes. Um, easy retrieval as well, if something, if you don't have MFA delete turned on, or if you do and someone still, you can still retrieve that with versioning turned back on. So those are a few of the tools that have been part of, of S3 now for a while that you can use again to help set. And remember these, because I will talk about, again, this is just defining, right? We're in that defined stage of what are the types of controls I know that I wanna put on my data to help me with compliance and governance. And then we'll talk about how to discover and monitor for some of those here in a minute. But I don't know if, if everyone was paying attention here in this past month, S3 actually released a lot of new features specifically to help in these areas. And this is things like default encryption. Now you can actually mandate that all objects in a bucket must be stored encrypted. You've got permission checks, and we'll actually look at the screenshot. So now I can go in and I can see within the S3 console if I have buckets that are world-readable or writable. Cross-region replication, ACL overwrites. Things like replication with KMS. And then a detailed inventory report with encryption status that we'll dig into a little bit as well here. But here's, the, uh, here's just a view of the console. Has everyone seen this now? Hopefully not too many of you saw all, all the orange spots in there, unless you absolutely meant that. But again, very visually, you go into the console, you'll have direct kind of um, view of what buckets have public access, which is a huge issue in a lot of the uh, privacy, PII, PHI type of compliance. One of the other really cool features in helping us do this is S3 inventory. And S3 inventory has been around, and it really enables you to trigger business workflows. So it helps you kind of list all of the objects that you've got within S3. One of the new things that's been added to S3 inventory is the ability to check for object level encryption status. So if you recall, one of the new things was being able to require encryption now, default encryption on a bucket. But how do I understand what's already there? How do I get a list of what, what is currently in that bucket and is it encrypted or not? With this new add-on to inventory, you can now do that. You can see your object level encryption status. You can see if it's with SSE or KMS. You can output that to a CSV or ORC output format, which lets you then, on a daily basis, query that with tools like Amazon Athena or Redshift or your own S3 tools such as Hive. Very, very easy to set up in the same way. So when you're in a bucket and you're looking at the management tab, you've got an inventory selection now. And if you'll notice at the bottom there, you have the new one for the encryption status. So we've seen customers that have output this daily 
run a, run a, uh, put a tag an event to it, output it to a Lambda function that then processes it and notifies them of what files within this bucket don't have encryption. And again, think of it in the rules. So I've defined that maybe I've got a bucket called finance, finance 2017. We don't want that accessible to everybody. It'd be great to know on a daily basis through some sort of automated check with a notification if something's found within that bucket. So outside of S3 and the great features that S3 has provided for us, we've got a few other services that we can add on top to help us even be more proactive. And those tools include AWS Config, AWS CloudTrail, and Amazon Macy. And we'll go through each of those here with a little bit of a demo on how we can implement those to help us with this. So Config. It's going to be very interactive, I know, just keep talking, but how many of you have used config? Okay, about half the crowd here. So for those that haven't, or those that have, as a little bit of a refresher, config is a service that, that again, if you think of the definition of the policies, now we want to go into the discovery, right? The discovery and the monitoring. Config is a tool that helps us do that. It's a service that enables access uh, and it enables us to access, audit, and evaluate configurations of resources. And it does it by continuously monitoring and recording things that, resources that show up within our AWS account. Part of config is config rules. In config rules, we've got a set of, of predefined managed rules. You can also create your own custom rules based on any of your own logic. So if you recall, we talked about the, again, definition. So one of the things we wanted to make sure we did was ensure that um, logging is enabled for all of our S3 bucket. That's a business rule we set. We just know for auditing purposes, we've got to have logging enabled. We know that another control check that we have to have for compliance is to make sure that uh, any access to buckets are over SSL or that we've turned on versioning for the bucket, or that we've enabled MFA delete. Those are all things that we've defined, and S3 has given us the ability to set those. But how do we know that they're actually set up? How do we know that just because we defined them doesn't mean that someone who's got access to S3 can go in and set it up however they want? Config and config rules is the way that we can do that. We can actually go in and turn on a config rule we can use one of the managed rules for SS3, or for S3, and we can instantly have our entire S3 environment evaluated against those rules and be able to easily see what's compliant and what isn't compliant. And for anything that doesn't have a, if there isn't a, a managed rule that's already for that, so we've got some logic that's very specific to our business, again, you can create a Lambda function and develop your own custom config rule to meet that control and compliance check. How many of you are familiar with CIS benchmarking, for example? Quite a few, pretty, pretty well known out there. Um, the link down there at the bottom is our AWS security group um, created a GitHub repo where basically we have mapped the CIS benchmarking. This is a little bit outside of S3, but very, very cool for config and config rules, so I wanted to share. You can map CIS benchmarking, each of the controls, to a config rule. And you can pull this down. You can go back. You can do this uh, anytime you want. You can pull it down. It's a CloudFormation template. It takes about 30 minutes to run. takes about another 10, 15 minutes to evaluate your entire AWS account. And you can then see what is in compliant and what's not in compliant with CIS benchmarking and all of that within about 60 minutes. And if you think about trying to do that in a traditional on-premise environment, that's a, a, a multiple month-long effort to be able to do that, let alone be able to discover new resources that show up and automatically have them evaluated against the same set of rules. 60 minutes to do with config and config rules. Really, really powerful. 
So this summer, we actually, Config Rules released two new rules. Um, we released one specifically for S3, S3 Public Read and S3 Public Write. So if you think about what we looked at with the S3 console, if I go in there, sure, I can see any time now with, with, the, with the new permissions check if a bucket is there. But that means that I have to go in, right? It means I have to do something. It means I've got to check it, which is great. Absolutely wonderful feature to have. But now by enabling these two config rules, I get automatic notification of compliance or non-compliance with these two rules. So if someone then, with these rules on, if someone creates a bucket that is, or takes a bucket and switches it, I can set up config rules to do a notification so that I know about that right away. And I'm able then to take action. And we'll keep building on this just so you, I can continue to show how easy it is to automate this type of workflow. So some of the, the benefits that we've talked about with that in terms of especially how we defined the compliance part of our discussion is now we've got continuous monitoring. We've got continuous assessment. We've got change management and operational troubleshooting. And some of the common use cases are just what we've talked about here is detecting S3 buckets with public read or write Tracking configuration changes. The other thing that we'll look at here in a demo in a second is not only can I get notification, but I can see who did it. And I have a full audit log through CloudTrail of that activity. And then verifying compliance with both internal and regulatory with our defined policies and controls. So let's look at a quick demo with config. And what we'll do is we'll enable these two config rules to see in our environment what is open to the public. So the first thing we'll notice is on the config dashboard, I've got a list of my resources within this region. You can see the number of buckets, the number of network interfaces, the, the security groups, the instances, and I can drill down into those. So I can look at here are my S3 buckets. Great way to inventory. So if I go back in, it's really simple to create a rule. And like we talked about, I could add a custom rule, which basically is based off of a Lambda function. But let's use the rules that we just introduced this year. So I can easily filter by S3, and I can see there's seven managed rules, and here are the two new ones we introduced. So let's go ahead and choose the uh, public read. We want, to, we want to make sure public read is prohibited. I could tailor this if I wanted to. I could change it to run periodic. I'm going to leave it as the default and have it basically run when configuration changes occur. So while this is evaluating, we can go in and add the other, the, the, the public write prohibited rule. And again, we'll just leave this as the defaults for our demo here. We'll save that. And once it's evaluated, you instantly can see in, in my environment, I now have a non-compliant resource for both public read and public write. It's really that easy to define a business rule and apply that to your environment. I can go in and see that, yep, I sure do. And it's a finance doc. That's probably something I really want to pay attention to. I can drill into it and see the timeline, the history of changes that have occurred. And I can see the details associated with that. So I can see it went from a state on the left to a state on the right. And if you notice at the bottom, it's now introduced all users for read and write. I can drill in further to that looking at a CloudTrail log that's attached to this event and I can see the actual event itself. I can see it came from Bob Odell. He's the one that made this change. And here are all the associated details with that. So that's a really, really easy demo. And as a product manager, I was able to actually do that as a product manager. So that's pretty impressive. 
But now think about trying to do that in an on-premise or in a data center environment. I'm not sure how you would pull all of that together. That's an extremely difficult thing to do, let alone even understanding where all of your data may reside. Within literally 15 minutes, we're able to evaluate our entire S3 environment to see what's, what's public readable and public writable. So what I'd like to do now is just spend a little bit of time on CloudTrail. Um, what I'll ask first is how many of you have CloudTrail enabled on your accounts? Okay, let's do the reverse, actually. How many of you don't have CloudTrail enabled? This will be fun. Oh, my. Yes, that's a great point. Um, he said, is it on by default? So for those of you that haven't enabled CloudTrail, we won't publicly shame you. I won't point anyone out. I was going to do it with the laser pointer here just to isolate some folks. You should have CloudTrail turned on and logging to an S3 bucket no matter what. It is the one, the one thing you'll want to have for almost any purpose, whether it's auditing, troubleshooting, permission, application development. You'll want to make sure CloudTrail is on. One of the things we did, though, is we realized a lot of times people may forget. It's not part of their provisioning process. So this year in August, we actually enabled CloudTrail on by default. So as you create a new or provision a new account, you will have CloudTrail logs. Now, that's only available within the CloudTrail console or by using the command line. But at least you'll have up to the last seven days, currently the last seven days of activity that you could review. Now, what I would, what I would really, again, encourage everybody to do is go in and configure a trail. And we'll talk a little bit about best practices. But back on, on track here. So CloudTrail really helps provide a history of your AWS account activity. It includes actions taken through the management console, through SDKs, through command line tools, and through AWS services themselves. Does it require any agents or any servers, no forwarding, no additional infrastructure required? Able to go into the CloudTrail console, view up to the last seven days, configure a trail to send auditing information into S3 for durable storage. And once you have CloudTrail on and enabled, it's always on. Any new resources or activity will be recorded. So some of the common use cases for CloudTrail include meeting compliance controls, probably the number one use case. So anybody that's looking to do PCI workloads, looking to do HIPAA workloads, looking to be ITAR compliant, um, all, of, all of those are going to require CloudTrail logging enabled. It also helps you gain visibility into user activity. So security best practices. It can help you detect access to sensitive data from unauthorized networks or IP blocks. And we'll actually look at uh, a little bit about that. Um, helps with troubleshooting, so misconfigured permissions. If you start to see a lot of failures in your CloudTrail logs, you know you probably have a misconfigured policy somewhere. So I wanted to spend just a couple minutes around some of the CloudTrail best practices, again, just because this is such a fundamental service within AWS. And really, the first kind of best practice is you should always have at least one trail, one CloudTrail trail, that is applied to all regions within every single one of your AWS accounts. And if you have multiple accounts, it's really best practice to point the logs for each of those accounts to a centralized location. So you're going to want to have a single repository for all of your CloudTrail logs across all of your accounts. And that will be dedicated to your auditing and your compliance requirements. With that, you're going to want to have things like uh, KMS encryption enabled. You're going to want to turn on log file validation just to ensure that there isn't any tampering with those logs. And then you're going to want to make sure that that trail is logging both management events and data events for all of your resources. Once you've got that established, you then can create secondary trails. And you can point those to local S3 buckets within the account and use those for things such as operations or support or DevOps. 
And that way, those teams aren't trying to access your secured lockdown security, your, your, your centralized security logging, but yet they've still got the access they need to be able to do their jobs as well. The other thing you'll want to do, and we'll actually go through a demo of this, is you wanna, you'll want to leverage things like Amazon CloudWatch events, where you can create rules and workflow around what you would consider to be high-value activities. Those could be things like, and this is what we'll demo, changing a file property or an object property from private to public. Or I want to know when my root account does activity because it shouldn't be. So those are types of things I want to know about, and I can use CWE and some workflow in order to accomplish that. And then you'll also want to be able to leverage things like CloudWatch Logs and Amazon Athena or Kinesis Analytics to be able to do research and, and search queries um, around that data so you can quickly make use of it for all the various purposes we talked about. So some of the key CloudTrail features that we'll cover are, again, are that S3 log delivery, um, log file encryption, SNS notification, some of the integrations there. Um, for those of you that do use CloudTrail, one of the things I find you might not be aware of is filters. So I can create a secondary trail. You wouldn't want to do this for your security trail because you want to log everything. But let's say I've got a secondary one that I don't care about read events. I don't, I don't necessarily, for that trail, I don't care to see all the describe calls and all the list calls and all the kind of behind the scenes activity. I just care about activity that changes resources that I have. I could actually create a trail and use a filter that says I only want to log right type of events. So it helps you kind of start to map reduce some of the noise around your cloud trail logs. And again, you wouldn't do that for your primary security one, but you sure could do it for your secondary trails that maybe support is using to help troubleshoot changes. So one of the features that we'll, we'll really dig into here is uh, what we call um, S3 data events. And by default, CloudTrail records S3 bucket level activity as part of what we call management events. So anything around create buckets, delete buckets, um, changes to buckets are, are, are recorded as what CloudTrail calls a management event. Last year, just before reInvent, um, we introduced the data event type, and that's where we'll spend our time, is talking about S3 data events. And those are actions, they're S3 object-level API. So those are activities, high-volume activities, that occur within the individual objects themselves, and those are things like put object calls, delete object calls, um, put object ACL, which is basically changing the ACL on an object itself. So S3 bucket level operations, the management events, are still captured by default as part of a trail. That's kind of a default setting that you get. S3 data events are actually optional. So they're a paid event, and they're paid at, uh, it's 10 cents per 100,000. Um, really comes, in my mind, the math is much easier if you say it's a dollar per million events. So it's still relative, relatively cheap, but it's an option. So if you're interested, and for a lot of these compliance reasons, you're going to want to be interested, especially around customer data, um, you're going to want to enable S3 data events so that you've got that object-level activity. So I hear some questions every, every now and then about, well, S3 has access logs. And now we've got CloudTrail S3 data events. What's the difference? And how do I know when to use one and when to use the other? Um, so here's some differences that I thought would be worthwhile to point out for everyone to understand. S3 data events are delivered to CloudWatch events within seconds of the activity occurring. So if I have an object that the ACL has changed, I'll know about that within CloudWatch events within one to two seconds. If, if S3 access logs are used, the time could be variable. And for things like data and privacy, I want to know about them sooner versus later. So S3 data events helps us accomplish that. 
You also get some additional information such as user identity details, error messages, the request parameters around what a person requested as far as data, and some regional information. Um, another difference is S3 data events are stored in the same JSON format as all of the other CloudTrail logs. So if you've already got CloudTrail up and running and you've got workflow associated with it, the S3 data events are in that same JSON format. And then of course it inherits all the same CloudTrail features that we talked about with log file and, and integrity validation, um, KMS encryption. So these are some of the key differences between an S3 access log that you can enable and S3 data events from CloudTrail. So here's a use case, a very common one that we're, we're seeing more and more about is data exfiltration. And again, this is driven by compliance needs. And the example is I want to detect access to sensitive data from unauthorized networks or IP addresses that are outside of my corporate network. And you can do this with S3 data events. And you'll do it by monitoring those object level API. And once you are, are, have that set up and enabled, you can create the workflow with CloudWatch events and Lambda to trigger some responses. And this is actually the, data, the demo that we'll do here. Um, S3 data events, we're also seeing a lot of use around performing uh, security analysis, so identifying who made changes. And if you remember, we did that at the bucket level with config, so we were able to go into the CloudTrail log. S3 data events lets us do that exact same activity, but at the object level. So not only can now with config, we can see bucket level changes, but now with CloudTrail S3 data events, we can see object level changes as well. And that becomes extremely, again, extremely important when we're talking about things like GDPR or PII or PHI. And so let's look at how to basically set up CloudTrail to log S3 data events. And again, very, very easy to do, but if we go within the CloudTrail console, And we could do this by creating a new trail. We could do it by editing a trail. But let's go ahead and just create a new trail. And if you noticed, we already had a trail that was our central one. So this is a secondary trail we're creating specifically for data events. So we don't want to capture everything again. So we don't need, to, we don't need this trail in particular to capture management events, because we've already got that through our centralized security one. But we want to enable data events. And in particular, we want to monitor our finance bucket because we know there's problems with that or that's really where sensitive is. So we're going to enable data events to track that and we're going to put it into its own CloudTrail S3 bucket. And now we can see we've got an additional trail that we just created for S3 ACL check that is monitoring object level activity for our finance 2017 bucket. Very, very simple to do. If I wanted to, I could have chose, instead of an individual bucket, uh, there was an option, if you saw, to basically select all. So I could have applied this same data event to all of my buckets, and it would have dynamically applied to everything that was existing, as well as any new buckets that were created. So by choosing the all feature, my entire S3 environment is logging object level API activity. But for our demo and for, for sake of just showing a purpose here, we, we scoped it down to the finance doc. Very applicable to do. So let's take that a step further now that we've got CloudTrail set up, we've got that logging um, S3 data events. Now we want to be able to detect if an object becomes public. In addition to the detection, if you recall with the config on the bucket level, we just did a notification. Well, at the individual object level with CloudTrail, let's actually do some auto remediation. And we could have done this with the config example as well. But what we've learned is a lot of organizations want to do notifications versus auto remediation. You can do both. 
And in this demo, we'll actually do an auto remediation. So we'll have CloudTrail monitor our finance document, send those events to CloudWatch events. We'll run a Lambda function on that. And if we have any that uh, flip from a private to a public, we'll actually auto remediate that, set it back to private, and we'll send off an, uh, an email notification to our security team. And these are the steps that we'll go through. We'll, we'll quickly create or review a Lambda function. Um, we'll create a CloudWatch event rule, and then we'll make a change and see it in action. Oh, good point here as well. Um, I didn't create this content. This is a, actually a blog that's available. So uh, if you go on the AWS security blog and you search for S3 ACL permissions, you'll actually see this demo as well. You'll be able to set this up within your own environment. The Lambda script is there, tells you how to set up the CWE rules, the permissions behind it. Again, I was able to do that within about a 10 minute, uh, 10 minute walkthrough for the blog. So if you're interested in doing this yourself, you've got a step-by-step uh, -step outside of this session that'll allow you to easily do that. But first thing we wanna do is we wanna create our Lambda function that's going to do the auto-remediation. And this is just a simple Python script. And I say simple, and I'll share a story. Um, do not let your product managers write Lambda code. It is a bad, bad idea. So the developer did this, and I thought, well, this is pretty simple, and it actually is, but somehow I got us in a loop, and overnight, I, I don't know, there was nine million Lambda-type events that were triggered, and my account was throttled, and I got a note, and don't let your product managers, that should be one of those business rules that you have, is product managers do not develop code for your organization. So um, I was quickly shown how to correct that, and the demo proceeded. So um, yes, follow along, give it to a developer, not a product manager. But you can see here, one of the things we've done in our Python, Python script is we've actually talked about our bucket of interest. So this Python, script is going to look specifically for our finance docs 2017. That way, if I did set up S3 data events to capture everything, but I really only wanted to auto-remediate the finance because that's really where my sensitive data is for this, for, for this kind of uh, S3 example, my Lambda function would help filter all of that out. So for those of you that are on the dev side, um, I thought it'd be worthwhile just to go through. I mean, this really is, uh, I don't know how I screwed it up, but it is a pretty simple Python script. Um, All I'm doing is really I'm looking uh, at the CloudTrail log that comes through CloudWatch events, um, and I'm getting the bucket name. So really I'm just, I'm looking at the event details, the, re the request parameters, and I'm pulling out the bucket name. So that way I can match my bucket of interest. The next thing that I'm doing is I'm also getting the file name or the key, which is, again, part of the CloudTrail log. It's in the details. It's in the request parameter in the JSON format, and it's got a key value. So it's basically key is equated to the file name or the object name. The next thing I'm doing in the, the Python script is I'm checking to see if it's private or not. I want to see um, if, it's, if, it's, if the the value, and I'm going to basically pull these two things together, put them in a variable, and then I'm going to check with S3 ACL just to see if that particular object is private or is public. And then I'm going to start to take some action on that. So if I find that it is, I'm going to go ahead and revert it back. And that's what I want to show you here. So first we'll go in and we'll create our CloudWatch event rule. And it's very simple to do. I can create a rule. I can say that I want to monitor for S3. I can further scope it down and say I'm really, in this case, interested in object level operations, which again are S3 data events. I could further scope it down here, but I'm just going to leave it. I'm just going to match any of these events that, that occur. And in particular, I'm going to look for put object. And I'm going to look for put object ACL, which put object ACL 
is basically a change in permission. So someone went in and changed the permission on a file. I want to send any event that matches that rule to my target. And in this case, the target is going to be that Lambda Python script that we just created. I can give it a name, I can give it a description, and basically create the rule. So now I've got a rule created that any time CloudTrail sees an S3 data event, it's gonna send that to CloudWatch events. CloudWatch events is then going to analyze that. If it matches the pattern we just set, so if it's a put object or if it's a put object ACL, it's gonna send it to the Lambda function. And then our Lambda function is going to get the bucket, it's gonna get the file name, it's gonna make a call to get the permissions on that file from S3, and it's gonna evaluate whether that's a public file or a private file at that time. So the next thing we'll wanna do is let's go ahead and test that. And the first thing that we'll see here, just to show that it's, it's, it's actually working the way that we expect it to, is we had our Lambda um, output to CloudWatch logs. So it was printing out some statements. And you can actually see there's nothing there yet. So now let's go generate some activity. And then first, what we'll do is we know we've got within our finance doc bucket, we've got a file called January 2017 profit and loss. And we'll just see what the permissions are. So we can see that these permissions right now are private. They're for Bob O'Dell who has full control. So the next thing that we did in this is we went ahead and for that file we added, and that's where the dash dash ACL public read, we actually set that file to be public readable. Think of it in terms of maybe somebody's not maliciously doing this, but maybe they're working on something and they think they're pointed to a, a different bucket. I don't know how you could confuse the file names here, but um, they easily through the command line could mess something up and all of a sudden now, you know, maybe they used a, a, a wildcard or, you know, a, a prefix and set a whole group of files to public readable. For our example, we did it here and then when we turned around and we did the same command to basically um, check the permissions, you can see nothing changed. So it's still set to Bob O'Dell who's got full control over it. There's no public in there, even though I just set that. So that's literally how quick it is. So I know some of you are thinking, oh yeah, sure, great. That didn't work. So what we can do is we can actually go look back in our CloudWatch logs and see the output from our Lambda function. So we can see the Lambda function actually ran. And in that, we can see that it detected through the workflow that we set up that that file somehow became not private. But yet the Lambda function then instantly went in and changed it back to private. And then not only that is once it changed it back to private, which created another put object ACL, it ran through the process again, which is what you see at the bottom. So not only did did our simple demo notify that it was changed to public, but it set it back to private, which then ran through another set of events and verified that in fact, yes, this is still a private file. So we've, we even had a little check in there just to make sure. The other thing that we did is once this script kicked off and did their auto remediation, I actually had it send me an SNS notification. So here's all the CloudTrail details where I can see that, yes, indeed, Bob O'Dell went ahead and did a put object ACL, and he changed it to a public read for this particular file. So now my security team, first thing I've done is I've auto-remediated within a second, that file from being accessible to the world to being private again. Second thing I did was that's a pretty alarming event for my sensitive data. I wanted to notify security right away. And, and instead of an email, this could have went through a ticketing workflow, right? I could have sent this into an existing process. I could have sent it into an existing ticketing system. This was just an example for an email. So 
Very, very simple to do, very powerful to do. And again, I would, I would just challenge you to think about how would I do this same thing in an on-premise type environment? Really, really difficult to accomplish. The last tool that I want to talk just really briefly about is Amazon Macy. How many of you have had a chance to uh, look at Macy or enable Macy? Just a couple. So Macy is a security service. It was launched this summer at the uh, New York Summit in August, and it really uses machine learning to automatically discover and classify uh, and help protect sensitive data in AWS. So if you think about kind of the steps that we've went through, we, we've got you know, going into the S3 console and being able to see it. We've got config that can help send notifications on changes. We've got CloudTrail that can auto-remediate these types of changes instantly. But how yet can I even be more proactive? How can I identify risk before something occurs? And this is what Macy can help us do. So Macy can help us answer questions around what types of data do I have? So back to that, is it source code? Is it password files? Is it private keys? Macy can help interrogate and can help look at that. And it can help classify the risk associated with those different types. It can help point out what's possibly PII or PHI. And it can help us be proactive in preventing those types of things based on some risk profiles. So again, very, very powerful. And these are the types of tools that AWS has made available to you to help in that shared responsibility model. We haven't left it up to you and said, good luck. We provided a whole set of services and tools that can help you accomplish having very safe and secure data in AWS. And just in summary, um, we've looked at S3 in the tools, we've looked at config, we've looked at CloudTrail, and we've looked at Amazon Macy. And with all of these combined, as well as the additional services AWS makes available, it's really a broad and deep visibility for S3 compliance. It really helps you have a high level of confidence that you understand what's going on with your, your organizational data and your customer data. And then it provides the automation capabilities for governance and compliance of that data. With the end goal, again, being that not only are you able to strengthen your governance and compliance, but at the same time, you're able to continue to build and innovate and be very agile to meet your customer and competitor demands. And with that, I really appreciate everyone spending the, uh, the hour with me here on a Thursday afternoon. I hope you all have really enjoyed um, your reInvent so far. And I will make myself available afterwards for any questions that you guys may have. But thank you very much for coming out. <laughs>